Good morning, Central. I'm excited to be able to be with you again on Word Wednesday. Uh, my name is Chris Smith. I'm the Minister of Family Life at the Emmanuel Free Methodist Church in Alton, Illinois, and it's my pleasure to be with you. The Bible is a book of losers written for losers. That may be a hard thing for you to uh, grasp here this morning, but the truth is you see it throughout all of the Old Testament. You see it in Noah, you see it in Saul, you see it in David. In fact, you can only go three chapters into this great word of God and you see uh, before God's shorts are even dry from creating the seas, Adam and Eve have already screwed it up, taking something that wasn't for theirs to take. And in fact, they had specifically been told not to take it. And you say to yourself, man, what a couple of losers. These guys have screwed things up already, and we're not even three chapters into the, into the book. In fact, in the New Testament, you see Jesus pick 12 guys who you could say are losers. They are the butt of the joke through most of, the, of, of their time with Jesus as they fumble and stumble and bumble their way through everything. And yet these 12 losers uh, end up changing the world. And it is an incredible, incredible story. You and I for all intents and purposes, as we try to figure this life out, um, are going to experience lots of loss. We are going to be losers sometimes, not winners. And I understand that that's hard to understand, especially when we've been told most of our lives that we're all winners and we're all on the same level and on our par with everybody else, which I don't think is a biblical concept either. But needless to say, we've been told that. And let's be honest. Sometimes we don't win, we lose, and by default that makes us losers. We don't always get our way. And I think that's an important thing for us to understand, especially in an election cycle. Um, not everybody is going to have their candidate win during this election. And people are getting tense and they're getting frustrated. In fact, a week from now, um, you know, the election is going to take place and your candidate, the one that you're rooting for, may not emerge the victor. So the question is, for me, and I think for you as well, is how do we love when we don't get our way? How do we love when we don't get our way? I'm going to look at Genesis chapter 13 today. It's a story of Abram. Uh, later his name will be Abraham, and you're going to hear the name Sarai. Later it'll be Sarah. And um, I want to talk a little bit about these characters in Scripture. Again, I, I mentioned the story of Jonah last time we were together. And sometimes I think we overshoot the, 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 the text a little bit and say um, that Jonah was this wonderful character. And we tell the story in a, almost like we're going to protect our kids from harsh realities of the story. Abraham in this particular text makes some dumb decision. Um, that ends up affecting uh, the people around him. And um, we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then we're going to talk about Lot some. So let me, let me set some context for you. In Genesis chapter 12, um, God says to Abram that he wants him to go into a land that he's going to show him. As a result of that, he goes into that land, and it's a land that um, um, is important in, in Scripture, the land of Canaan, the promised land. And so... Um, he and his wife and his nephew Lot. Okay, so his nephew Lot is, 
Abram's brother Haran, he died, and, and, and Lot goes to be taken care of by Abram, and Abram takes care of Lot, and everywhere that he goes, you see Abram takes Lot with him. And so he goes into this land, and um, eventually what ends up happening is there's this great famine that occurs, and Abram panics. He freaks out. He's afraid of going hungry and is afraid of his family going hungry. And so he goes into Egypt and he brings Lot and he brings Sarai with him. And Sarai is a fine looking woman. She is very attractive. And he decides that it was going to be better for him if everybody didn't know that Sarai was his wife. In fact, he says, you're so good looking that if they find out that you are my wife, they're going to kill me so they can get at you. Why don't you tell them then that you are my sister? Okay, the creep factor, that's, that's, that's not good. That's a lie. Uh, Abram is being sneaky. He's not trusting in God. He's left the place God told him to go, and now he's in the place that God hasn't told him to go, and he's afraid of dying, and so he's going to say, you're my sister instead of my wife, and it works out. The story, they, the plan that they concoct, it works out. Uh, Sarai goes into Pharaoh's palace and she's going to become Pharaoh's wife. And Abram is treated great. Uh, and then it all goes down the tube. Terrible things start to happen. The entire palace is inflicted with this terrible disease because uh, Pharaoh is taking Sarai, who belongs to Abram, uh, into his harem. Uh, for lack of a better term, and going to become his wife. And so Pharaoh is furious that he's been lied to. Why did you do this? And Abram says, because I was afraid that you'd treat me poorly. Uh, if you found out it was my wife, that's why we concocted this plan. And so Pharaoh kicks him out of Egypt. And there's no record of whether or not they had to quarantine for 14 days, but they get kicked out of Egypt. And Abram is given all kinds of land and all kinds of property and livestock and gold and silver and it all works out great for Abram in that regard and they go back to the place that God had told him to go to begin with. Okay, so that's an important part, uh, a connecting piece to the story and they go back to this. So now I want us to go into Genesis chapter 13. I'm going to read this for us. Genesis chapter 13. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place where Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier. So now he's returning back, right? And where he had first built an altar. That's important. He's going back to the altar where Abram called on the name of the Lord. So he calls on the name of the Lord there, okay? There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herds and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. 
So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. Now, don't get lost in the false narrative here about Abram, okay? He is wealthy, but remember how he acquired that wealth. It was largely acquired through a lie. Tell them that you are my sister so they'll treat me well. Um, Doesn't really sound like a stand-up guy, does it? There's this disease that's inflicted upon Pharaoh and his palace, and as a result of that, Pharaoh kicks Abram out. So Pharaoh suffers and his people suffer in order for Abram to go to the place that God told him to go in the first place. This is not an exercise of faith on the part of Abram. This is an exercise in failure. He was afraid that he was going to go hungry because of the famine. He was afraid that he was going to get killed because his wife was good looking. And so he left where God told him to go and he lied. And as a result, the Egyptian people in the palace suffered so that Abram would be forced to go to the place where God told him to go in the first place. Abram isn't maneuvering. He's not being strategic. He's not showing great leadership skills. This is a failure of faith. Now, let me remind you of something that we said last week. Life isn't always fair. Right isn't always rewarded. Wrong isn't always punished. And so here we have a great example of that. Abram did something wrong. Pharaoh ends up being punished so that Abram will go out and do what he's supposed to do. Go back to the place where God told him. In fact, in this situation, Abram did something wrong and was rewarded with wealth. Life isn't always fair. So, Abram goes back to the place where he's supposed to be, and he, 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 when he gets back to that place, he is at the place where he had built an altar, and he cries out to God. He returns um, back to his faith, if you will. Something that occurred in Egypt stirred the faith of Abram. I want you to understand something about God. In this situation with Abram, when God chose Abram, he chose him. Uh, What does that mean? When God chose Abram, he chose Abram. This is a story about God and God's faithfulness, not necessarily about Abram's failure. Even though Abram failed, Even though Abram did something wrong, God had chosen Abram and he wasn't going to let failure or shortcoming or sin get in the way of fulfilling what God had planned to fulfill in Abram all along. This is a beautiful story about God's character and about how God's character is unwavering. And we saw glimpses of that in the story of Jonah that we talked about last week. 
This is a story about God's graciousness and God's faithfulness. So Abram calls out on to the name of the Lord in, in chapter 4. This is an important thing because, again, something stirred in Abram and his faith, and he returns sort of back to this place where he is willing and able to, to listen to God and follow what God desires for him. This is an important lesson for us to understand as well. Because whether in winning or in losing, we always belong to God. Always. Whether in failure or in faith, we always belong to God. Whether in sinfulness or in holiness, we always belong to God. We are his children. He is our father. And nothing changes that. We belong to him. I hope that you understand that as we go through this particularly when we think about things, about our own shortcomings and our own sinfulness. It, it, sin does separate us from God, absolutely. But only to the extent that we do not allow ourselves to continue to remain in him in that loving and compassionate and caring relationship with him. So, with Abram, who has all this material possession, and now Lot has all of this material possession. And what inevitably ends up happening between these two people, at least with the people that, that serve them, and maybe even other members of their family, it, it happens with a lot of us. The possessions that they have begin to possess them. The possessions that they have begin to possess them. All of their wealth and their goodness of other people, all of these other people, they begin to allow this to possess them and it affects their relationship. And so there's fighting among the herdsmen of Abram and Lot's people. So what happens? Abram comes to Lot and he says, listen, I don't want there to be problems between you and me. We're, we're, we're relatives. You're my nephew. I'm your uncle. I don't want there to be problems between you and I, so, but it's best for us to part. The land can't sustain us. We have too much wealth. The livestock are going to run out of water. They're going to run out of food. We're going to run out of places to set up camps. You choose, Lot, where to go. Now, keep in mind, Abram had every right to be the one that chose. He's the older. He's already taken care of Lot. Uh, every place that he's gone, Lot's gone with him. Um, God's the one who... Who, who promised Abram uh, that he was going to make him a big deal, not Lot. But with this tremendous humility, Abram says to Lot, you choose. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Why does he do that? Because the relationship is more important. The relationship is more important than winning or losing. That is an important concept for us to understand, especially in an election cycle. Especially what we're seeing right now, because what I'm seeing all over social media is Christian against Christian. The kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ being divided over political matters, over political issues. Because one person wants to win and not be the loser. And sometimes that winning and losing is, is who you choose is about your possessions, what you're going to get in return. For Abram and Lot, Abram says, you know what, the relationship is more important than any possession that I have. Anything that I have, it, it, it pales in comparison to my relationship with, with my nephew. Winning or losing, we belong to God. And so as a result of that, the relationship is more important than winning or losing. And so Lot chooses. 
A little bit about what Lot chooses. The word of God says that the place that Lot chose was like the Garden of Eden. He saw it. It was beautiful. It was going to be lush. It was financially profitable for him to move there. Even though he knew that the land of Sodom had wicked men and wicked men, wicked people lived in Sodom. He chose this beautiful place. Ah, what is, what's the big deal to be close to these wicked people? Well, it cost him ultimately everything. Because what ends up happening is the wicked men in that region attacked the, the region that Abram was living in. And Lot is on the run. Abram has to go rescue him. And he could have just said, you know what? You made your bed. You're going to have to lie in it. Uh, you chose, you know, forget you. No, he goes and he rescues his nephew. And here's this great picture of Abraham and how God is working in his life. The king of Sodom, when he's rescued, says to Abram, I want to give you land and possessions and wealth. And Abram says, no. He doesn't want to be possessed by things. He doesn't want to be possessed by his possession. And he says, I'm not going to take anything that you give me because everything that I have has been promised to me by God. And I don't want there to be any mistake over where I am blessed. I am blessed by God, not by man. So Lot returns to the place where he's been living next to these wicked, wicked people. And ultimately, the Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed by God. Now, one of the things that we never hear about Lot is when he was choosing which direction to go, we never hear him say, God, where do you want me to go? He doesn't do it. Never do we see anywhere he prays, is this the best place for me to take my kids? Is this the best place for me to take my family? All we see is that he saw something and he chose it because it was attractive to him. Listen, be careful about seizing something just because it's available. Be careful about seizing something just because it's available. Abram said, I'm not going to take something just because it's available because everything that I have is going to come from God, not from man. My youth pastor used to say to me, be careful about sacrificing your eternity on the altar of the immediate. Don't just take something because it's there for the taking. Be thoughtful. Be patient. Be prayerful. God, is this what you want me to have? Is this where you want me to go? Is this what you want me to do? Is this what you want me to grab hold of? Or is the thing that I am possessing going to possess me? You see, for Abram, his relationship with Lot and his relationship with God was, with God was more important, more important than winning or losing. Abram's relationship with God was more important than winning or losing. So as we wrap up today, as you think about the ways in which God is speaking to you, the decisions that you have to make as a college student right now, who am I going to spend the rest of my life with? What kind of career am I supposed to go into? Is it okay for me to buy this car? Is it okay for me to get this job? Is it okay for me to, to play this sport? Ask yourself, 
what am I giving up? What is it that God wants me to do? What am I going to be moved away from? Listen, being involved in a sport takes a lot of time. Is that being involved in a sport going to make you spend more and more time in the, in the sport and less and less time with God? You got to think about, is this relationship that I'm getting involved in, is it going to pull me away from God? Not in terms of this person's a bad person, but is this person in a position where they're going to, they're going to enhance my relationship with God or are they just hot? We got to think about those things. Be careful about seizing something just because it's there for the taking. Be careful about focusing your attention on winning and losing rather than the relationship. What does God want? Think about that first. Be humble in your approach to the life that God has blessed you with because it all comes from him, not you, and certainly not somebody else. God bless you, Central. I hope you have a great day. I hope you've learned something from this today, and uh, I hope you're well. Blessings. Bye.